0: I know why you're here. A year ago, I would have said you were one of my dad's friends trying to talk me out of all of this nonsense. A month ago, I would have said that you wanted to see the crazy guy dressed in the weird clothes, so passionate, so inspirational. A week ago, I would have said you came here just to be baptized in the Jordan River, but no. No, ever since I baptized my cousin, ever since he began preaching and teaching, I know why you're here. You want to see something amazing. You want to witness something miraculous, something wonderful, a vision that's going to change your life forever. I don't, I don't blame you. Of course, that's what you're here for. That sort of thing kind of runs in my family. Uh, Let me explain. And nobody from the temple believed my dad at first. Uh, They thought he was doing some elaborate hoax, some vie for power or something. But he really couldn't speak. The months ticked on and on and on. Nine full months he couldn't speak until I was born. And then he named me John, and boom, just like that, his mouth was opened And then it never shut. You see, my whole childhood, he continually reminded me again and again and again of what that angel told him, that I would be the one, the one to make straight the paths for the Lord, the one to declare the name of the Messiah who would come after me. (laughs) My dad always used to say, a king leads, a priest prays, but a prophet foretells, That was to be me, a voice in the wilderness, the one to turn the hearts of Israel back to their God, back to their Lord. I don't remember exactly how old I was when I learned that it was going to be my cousin, the Messiah, the one foretold, the one to bring peace and save his people. But my family told the story often enough uh, the wondrous birth, the annunciation by the angel, the miraculous birth in the stable, and then the visit, first by the shepherds, then by the magi. I just remember when I found out how angry I was at first. I was older. My dad was the priest. Why, why could I not be the greater one? Why could I not be the one, the one to save our people? No, it would be Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. And so I had to know more, right? Wouldn't you? I I went to the source. I went back to the scrolls of Isaiah, and I read, and I read, and I read. I had to know who was this Messiah. What was my job supposed to be? And and how did we know that it was Jesus? And as I read, I, I got a little bit more than I bargained for. I learned information that I wasn't expecting. You see, when you go back and you read what Isaiah has to say, the Messiah, to save his... The trials he would face. The suffering and pain that he would face. The death. And in that instant, I I knew... It just felt right. I knew that Jesus was, is and always will be greater than I. But I was determined to do my part. I was determined to let God use me for His purpose, to declare the coming Messiah, a voice in the wilderness. So I would preach repentance to all of God's people, to my people. Do you realize how hard it is to preach repentance in a time like this? And no one wants to listen to anybody else. And no one wants to hear that they're doing something wrong. Everyone thinks that what they have is right, that their opinion is right, that they know what God wants. For example, take those religious elite. Uh, You know the types, the, the Pharisees. If you were to tell them that they needed to repent, they would be appalled horror-struck that, that someone so pure and so holy, so godly like themselves could ever commit a sin in their hearts or in their mind. Or the religious zealots, right? Uh, the ones who are attempting to overthrow the Roman government, who are bringing death and destruction and chaos for this mere illusion of glory. Or you have those who are in power. Either set up by the Roman government or one of the many institutions here in the city who don't want to relinquish that control, who don't want to look weak or look wrong, who feel threatened in their positions. No, not to mention a word, a wrong word to a wrong person at the wrong time could mean my death by the hands of any of them. This is an impossible task, to preach repentance to everyone who needs it? Where do I even begin? It's like my dad always used to say. Even the great leader Joshua needed his fears calmed by God too. But if I had to guess, I'd say that's not the reason you're here this morning. No, it's usually a lot simpler for most of us. It's usually a lot personaler for most of us, closer to home. You see, somehow, somewhere deep within inside yourself, you know that there is one who is greater than you. Somehow, somewhere deep within inside yourself, you know that something is wrong. That this is not how it should be. That you are not how you should be. But instead of seeking out that one who is greater, that one who is mightier or more powerful, you put yourself into that position. I put myself into that position because that's what it all comes down to. We all think we know best. We all do what is right in our own eyes like Adam or like Eve. We reach out because we want to be like God and we make ourselves God. But then we find out that that's just not sustainable, is it? We can't be responsible for everything because we are not great enough. We are not strong enough or powerful enough. No, I I know why you're here. If you're not going to see something miraculous, at least you could hear my story of what happened. And maybe, just maybe, it would happen again. Well, I was preaching, just like I am now, baptizing the repentant in the river and, and pointing them, right? Saying that the one is coming, the one to save us, the one who I am unworthy to bend down and untie his sandals, the one who is so much greater than I, that although he's related to me by blood, he is my God and will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And then I looked up and he's coming towards me. Just walking towards me. This lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in that moment I thought how utterly it would be how utterly ridiculous it would be if Jesus asked me to baptize him. I mean what confession does he have to give? What offense does he have against his name and and how could a sinner like me baptize my God? I tried to protest again and again, and he insisted. So we walked down into the river. And there was a moment there during the baptism that I understood what it was all about, why Jesus had to be baptized by me. You see, as I lowered him down into the water for a brief moment, I lost sight of his face underneath the murky water. As the river flowed over top of him, I couldn't see him. I couldn't see my Messiah. It was just for a moment. But it felt like an eternity. And it was the most terrifying moment of my life. But then I pulled him back up. And I saw what Isaiah foretold so long ago. A God who would come down to earth to be with us. To live as a human. To show us how to live. A God who could go down into the muck and mire of his creation and still come out of it clean and pure. a model for all of us to follow as disciples. Uh, to drown our old self but rise from the water a new creation. Washed clean, pure, and holy. Not because of us, not because of the water, but because of the power of our God a God so much greater than you, a God so much greater than I, who still chose to be lesser, who still chose to step down onto earth, who chose to step into the water and go through the water with us. God who gives us that power to be greater. And then Jesus rose out of the water We started walking back towards the shore, and the Lord our God, the Lord is one. But in that moment, I saw all three persons. The voice of the Father booming out of the heavens. This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. Uh, Jesus, the Son incarnate in the flesh. The Son sent to fulfill the law of God. And then the Spirit of God. The Holy Dove descending out of the heavens. And in that moment, I knew that my purpose had been complete. God had used me for the thing he called me to do. My message was preached. My ministry was over and Jesus' ministry could begin. And yet here I am, still preaching. And I will preach until my very last breath. Because there are some that still don't understand what the Messiah is here to do. Some think that the Messiah will make our nation great again that will establish Israel once more as God's chosen. There are some that think that the Messiah will eradicate all of our enemies, completely demolish all enemies of God so that we could be free. And still others think that Jesus is going to make their life happy and comfortable and easy. And to all of these people, I will say, you're not paying attention Look back at Isaiah. It says that the Messiah came to be stricken, to be smitten, and to be afflicted. You see, Jesus is coming, proclaiming life and forgiveness of sins, but only death can pay for life, and only the blood of a lamb can atone for sin. Now, you you want to see something amazing. You want to see something spectacular. But it was never me who did any of that. None of us can do any of that. Instead, I can only do the same thing I've been doing this whole time, is pointing to the one who is coming. Indeed, he has already come. The one who is so much greater. The one who is so much more powerful and so much more mighty. That's all I can do to continue to point to him to say you don't have to be in charge of it all you don't have to be responsible for it all because God is the one doing the work and yes our Lord works in miraculous signs big wonderful miracles and when Jesus triumphs over death it's going to be miraculous it's going to be joyful it's going to be something we've never experienced before But as my dad always used to say, God spoke to Elijah not through the fire and not through the earthquake, but through the small, gentle whisper. You came expecting something miraculous, and I tell you that it is already happening. It happened as soon as you went through those waters. And so the only message I have for you today is the same message I told all of the crowds who came before and all of the crowds who come after you. Repent. Be baptized or remember your baptism and receive freely the gift of salvation from the God who is so much greater than you, so much greater than I, who gave us the example. A God who came to save, a Messiah, with whom the Father is well-pleased, who now baptizes all of us with the Holy Spirit. And so now I say, may his grace and mercy guard you to life everlasting as you depart in peace. Amen.